welcome back to Talk Talk. I'm your host, Emily Osan, and I'm here today with Yanka Steenkamp and Dr. P.S. They're joining me today to talk about TOK Essay Title IV. Do you agree that it is astonishing that so little knowledge can give us so much power? Uh, this is a quote from Bertrand Russell. And we're meant to discuss it with reference to natural science and, and any other AOK. We're not going to hold too tightly to that for our conversation today because we're literature and arts teachers here. So we'll just talk and see where it takes us. So I guess, um, can the two of you guys just start us off? What interested you about this title? Why did you want to talk about it? Um, I guess for me, uh, I've always been interested in sort of like cognitive ability and how knowledge gets transferred and produced. Some area of research that I've always been interested in. Uh, so yeah, just normally just gravitated towards this particular question. Mm. Uh, also because the other questions I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> Good reason. Yeah. But is there something about the the power? part of it that interested you? Yeah, I mean, if we look at society as it is today, right, there's so many instances, I'm not, not going to give any specific examples, I'm not getting in trouble, but like, <laughs> just um, really stupid people in power. Mm. Right? That's one thing that sort of um, has been in the news for decades um, recently. With, I, mean, I don't know, one example, Brexit. I'm mm. not going to name, name any names, but that whole incident, I think, was, was quite, quite stupid. Mm. Um, it's got to do with you know, people without much knowledge being in lots of power mm. and resulting in um, potentially catastrophic consequences. Mm. So, so it's, a, it's a nice one because it is like there's a connection between what is known and then what happens yeah. and that the power relationship between well who's who's making those decisions. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Yanka? How, what, what was it that interested you about this title? Well, we discussed a little bit about like what constitutes power, right? What constitutes knowledge and, 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 and the amounts, right? Because if you go back to sort of something small like our ability to boil water, right? And how that gave us power as a species, right? Yeah. It's a small, a really small thing. Um, so that's also a very interesting way of looking at it, just mm. like in terms of like power over your environment or is it power mm. over other people, um, you know, and, and, and what that, that means. And mm. I think also because the initial conversations that PS and I had uh, were very different, like our thinking about it was so different. Mm. Was, Ooh, this is, you know, this is interesting to, to yeah. kind of grapple with. Yeah. So, yeah, take me into that. Like, what was what was the difference between between the way you guys saw this question, or that you were gra how were you grappling with it? Um, I think I went uh, super small. I went with like sort of thinking about the theory of everything oh. and like atoms and how oh. like the lack of knowledge of that. Mm. Um, and then yeah, and then Yanka went slightly more academic and more. No, but also you you focus on the lack of knowledge, right? Yeah. Like we have the oh, sure. the small knowledge How not knowing something. of something, mm -hmm. and like we also talked a little bit about virtual reality and how we have such a small knowledge of that, and yet we're like barreling in there, mm. potentially playing with something that has incredible power mm. uh, that we probably don't understand yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and then. You know, with the atom as well, it's it's a small bit of knowledge. It's this tiny thing, mm. and it changed warfare forever. Like these tiny mm. uh, advances, mm. um, 
you know, we were talking about Vikings earlier today mm-hmm. and how they, you know, I don't know if this falls in indigenous area of knowledge, but so yeah. uh, in their uh, belief system, they started using bones of um, animals or uh, warriors that they, like large warriors of other tribes that they had killed, mm-hmm. uh, grinding them up and, and baking them into their swords because they believed you know, it would imbue the sword with the spirit of this thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, on a like chemical level, they're creating an alloy that's closer to steel than anything else that was. So they did have the, the advantage, like the scientific mm. advantage of the knowledge, but the knowledge came from a different place. That's so, kind of a cool accident. Yeah, of, it's a super cool like, accident. A good... I, I mean, knowledge can sometimes just be found by accident. Um, that's well, a really that nice joke example. If a pineapple had fallen on Newton's head, how would that have gone? <laughs> right. So. But yeah, yeah, nice, really cool. And um, something you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation was just power over what. Or I initially kind of thought about it was like power to do what. Mm. Um, And I think it's the same. It's essentially the same. But thinking about, I like that example you gave about like just boiling water. Knowing how to do that was one example of a very small, little, arguably little piece of knowledge that held great power, allowed us to do everything after. Not only to do, but also it had like, you know, properties of like disinfectant and it allowed, knowing how to do that opened up yeah cooking yeah. and cooking uh, hygiene uh, so many different everything we do relies on being able to boil water mm. i mean or start fire or you know make a wheel and those kinds of little things that then turn into everything that has become our civilization now um that is arguably something that i i think we overlook right mm. like if you think about the invention of the wheel how mm-hmm. many things have cogs how many like how much of your modern life mm. is dependent on I'm sure you could trace it back to to that moment mm. right mm. so I think maybe sometimes we forget that it is these tiny steps that cause this sort of domino effect in yeah. terms of yeah. progress and mm. and um, yeah helping us evolve I suppose again, then power to do things, take care of the environment, destroy mm. the environment. Yeah, um, to do or for what? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then further along the line, uh, we also talked about sort of like holding knowledge, right? That gives us power. The oh, S- Snowden. Mm. Like Snowden. withholding knowledge. Yeah, or blackmail. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. this one small thing. Oh gosh. You know. Um, and yeah. then how does that leverage, how do you leverage knowledge for power, yeah. right? Like, um, or even withholding, like if you go into conspiracy theories, yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we know that this, let's say big pharma, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it costs this much, like, you know, the fact that certain knowledge is never revealed to us. Mm-hmm. What is the cost price of producing this? Um, we're not going to tell you, yeah. right? Yeah, right? because then we have monopoly. So, how does withholding of knowledge, mm. even a small amount of knowledge? Yeah, that's actually a, an an interesting direction as well. Like not just having the knowledge that it allows us to do stuff, mm. but having knowledge and withholding that, and mm. how that allows us to control. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 
dark and that can get quite dark, can't it? Yeah, like it's the idea. It's dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. I have been also reading a lot of like post-apocalyptic stuff and dystopian. Yeah. That Margaret Atwood book we're reading that right now. And yeah. Oh gosh. Um, but kind of going back to the um, question too. So. Do you agree that it is astonishing? And I love that word, astonishing. So it's like requiring us to actually be in a state of like awe yeah. or shock that something could be the case. And it, it, choir, it requires like reverence for. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. It, I think it's a, an interesting word if you think also about the word awesome. We mm-hmm. use the word awesome a lot. Yeah. But it doesn't mean what it used to mean. Yeah. As you're saying, this idea of reverence almost, you know, that, that dichotomy between being sort of shocked out of yourself and yeah. at the same time going, Wow, this is hmm. like it's too much to hold on. It's too you can't fully appreciate it. It's that big. On the posters that I made for the titles, I've shared them with you. I've also shared them on my website, so you can, like, if any teachers want it, they can download them. Mm-hmm. But I chose the picture of Earth. It's called a pale blue dot, mm-hmm. and it's as seen Carl from the Sagan. satellite. Yes. Yeah. He showed it, and it was like, it's not a great photo. It's actually a pretty bad photo. It's, like, even a little blurry and out of focus. It's got, like, a sun ray across the lens. It's, but what it is is astonishing because when you look at it and you know what you're looking at it's the earth as seen from very far away and it's really just this like speck of sand Mm. and you go like that's astonishing like all not just one piece of knowledge all the knowledge we have is on that little tiny speck of sand Mm. that gives me goosebumps and that's what i think about like astonishing like gives us so much power like then i also sort of step back and i think well does it really give us it's only affecting that one little grain of sand out there in space. So is it that much power? Do we just have this inflated sense of <laughs> importance that it's giving us that much power? Um, but then I think on the other hand, you have to take it back down to like a human level and how it any kind of small piece of knowledge can have an impact on day-to-day life of everyday humans. Hmm. And I, and I think that's where the reverence comes from for me, is recognizing the bigness, the, the, the infiniteness of it, and then again, the, like, the small impact, and then the great impact that it can have, that sort of domino effect that every you know, yeah. knowledge can have on others. Yeah, the cynic in me is thinking more of like a, a psychological phenomenon called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I was just reading about that yesterday, just thinking about the experiences I've had. Um, it's just so many times I felt like I've been standing on that peak of Mount Stupid, like having gained a little bit of knowledge on something and mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, I know so much about this. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to talk a lot about this. But then the more I read about it, you know, the more I fall into that valley of, mm-hmm. of despair. Actually, I don't know that much valley. at all. <laughs> I don't know any of this. The more you know, the more you exactly. realize you, you, realize you don't this know. Makes you wise, right? <laughs> on the pathway to wise no that you know that you don't know yeah Mm. right like that's confused um real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance yeah nice dunning kruger effect is kind of you never reach that point that you You realize so the effect is actually when you when you Mm -hmm. think you know when you're on mount stupid Stupid and you don't know you're standing there Yeah. yeah and you're on top of the world feeling super confident 
and then you and you just stay there. You stay there. You just stay there, and you keep you you like even build your mountain higher and higher. Have, and have people join you. Yeah. Right? Have and that, have people join you. Yeah. Yeah. Have that herd mentality. And actually, what happens with that too is that other people start believing it. Exactly. Yeah, because it's validated. Yeah, because right? lots yeah. of people are standing on Mount Stupid. Yeah. And with confidence. <laughs> with confidence. With confidence. Waving their flag. Exactly. We proudly. Woo. <laughs> and psychologically, right? Confidence attracts confidence. Yeah. It's negative confidence, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And I think that's the frightening bit mm. of the power. Well, it, it makes one think of that opening of Pride and Prejudice, that mm. first line. It is a truth universally acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the the... The double, not negative, what am I looking for? The, the doubling up of the truth that's universally acknowledged calls that truth into question, mm-hmm. right? Like a truth is a truth. It doesn't need to be universally acknowledged. Mm. And this is the same. For a fact to have to have 20,000 people on Mount Stupid to make it viable mm-hmm. doesn't make it knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just because a lot of people believe it doesn't make it knowledge. Mm. Yeah. And I think this takes us back to the astonishing thing. Like, the more reflective you are, so those people are not doing that, um, I think you do have these wow moments. Like, I have silly ones. Sometimes I'm on the MTR and I'm going in a tunnel that I know is going under the ocean. Mm. And I just get hit with this wow. Wow. You know, like, we figured this out. And this is safe and holy crap. You know, the... I'm I'm in a tunnel under the ocean in a train. Yeah. And I'm safe. Like yeah. who thought this out? Yeah. So there are these little moments of of just awe about mm. how we've progressed. I also have those on the MTR. I sometimes we'll just think like what if the MTR itself wasn't here and we just had these tunnels. How long would it take me to walk? Yes. In in this tunnel yes. from Kennedy Town to Wan Chai. I mean, that was like a really long walk. <laughs> yes. But like, I can be there in 15, 20 minutes. It's amazing. No, it is. It's, and, it's... and actually, the interesting thing is that we could probably sit here uh, if we were engineers and we could unpack what it was, what exact pieces of knowledge mm. got us to the point we could build that tunnel and build that MTR. Um, and we could boil it down to like what that one small initial piece or pieces that we put together mm. But what's cr- the astonishing thing, too, is that it was at one point some small little knowledge that got built upon yes. and people worked together. It's not just one person made that MTR mm. tunnel. It's that like group effort yeah. that actually gives us piece, that power yeah. to, to, to use the transportation system as it is. Mm. Yeah. And that group expertise. Yeah, precisely. Because I think that's also the other thing. Like, it makes you think about the, the, the dynamic between knowledge and power. It makes me think about like monopolies mm-hmm. on knowledge mm-hmm. and this idea of, you know, th- we've talked a little bit about withholding knowledge and things mm-hmm. like that. But also, if I think even in a classroom situation, the the strength you get out of group work. Um, versus individual work the fact that you've got people with different different areas or different strengths coming together Um, and so yeah it's astonishing that so little knowledge can give us so much power and then if we imagine all of these small Mm. bits coming together it's pretty Mm. pretty awesome flip it over though 
and thinking about like powerlessness mm. and that connection with not having knowledge. Mm. It makes me think a lot about the role of education and why like many governments um, require their citizens to be in school up into a certain point. And, you know, maybe 50 years ago, that wasn't the case in every, in all countries. Like yeah. kids would just go to work on the farm or field or wherever it might be. But I think there's something like that we recognize that knowledge does give us power. It does give us mobility. It does. So there is an importance of education there. But then it also makes me think about like things that have been lost based off of that assumption I don't know. I wonder sometimes too if if it's not the other way around, where education is used to control, in the, in the sense like how much knowledge and people have and what knowledge. kind of knowledge yeah. and so on. Well, I mean, like for instance, in South Africa during apartheid, mm -hmm. uh, that was a very real decision that was made, right? Like mm -hmm. you had a completely separate education system uh, for for the marginalized population. Um, and all of the learning materials and things like that were carefully selected mm -hmm. to, you know, sort of, it, it's got this hardcore, like, Huxleyan vibe of, you know, we, we're going to help you grow up until a certain point so that you can, um, you can further the system, but we're not going to help you grow to the point where you realize you're people and you can actually evolve past the system. Yeah. So, yeah knowledge and power like the the i think that's what makes this question so interesting it's it's mm -hmm. that interplay like how much and and sometimes having too much knowledge about something is also not great mm. yeah i mean traditionally like um a lot of developed countries are basing their education models off of um creating an education uh, educated based economy mm -hmm. right? so all the education and all the curriculum are going towards that particular purpose, mm -hmm. right? creating more uh, educated sectors uh, in order to further the economy. But more and more so, that's that's deviating from from that now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's a fight we have as teachers as well all the time, right? Like things that are in the curriculum versus mm -hmm. knowledge for knowledge's yeah. sake and like experience for experience sake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and trying to find that, that, uh, I'm thinking now of that, is it Ken Robinson? Mm -hmm. Video, because right? yeah. it's so yeah. impactful, right? This idea that um, human beings, before they come into a system that's going to tell them mm -hmm. what is valuable knowledge yeah. and what is not, um, that they have the ability to go in whatever direction and mm -hmm. grow in whatever direction, and then that gets slowly sort of, uniformly conveyor belty mm -hmm. squashed out of them based on like a victorian model yeah yeah i think though i mean i feel like that one is that ted talk i remember if it's the one i'm thinking of it was about 10 years ago um i think it things may have had we have responded to that i think oh, yeah, within education for sure. and i also think about like the ib curriculum one of my former students i'm very proud of her um I maybe won't mention her name, but I'll put a link on the show notes so that you can you can look it up later. But she started a um, an account, I think it's on Instagram, but I think it's bigger than that, that it's basically to decolonize the IB. Um, oh, I read that. And looking yeah. at like 
the kind of things that are taught specifically in uh, history and literature and trying to change the way that that, um, you know, when you when you look at the exam, it's still very much Eurocentric. Um, mm. The topics are very Eurocentric. I think, I mean, it's the IB literature course, there's now the option or the requirement, at least for the language, uh, the literature class, I know you have to have chosen a text that's in translation. For both so, of them. For yeah. Okay, also for the um, lit. lit. Yeah. yeah, both require this, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's quite nice. There's a list of approved authors, mm-hmm. which is probably... It's the, still very Eurocentric. Moment, but the works have to span over several time periods, yeah. several continents. So they're trying their best. Yeah to be inclusive. And I think this is relatively new. So since she was in school, I yeah. think a lot of this has changed. Because mm. um, she graduated like a, maybe five or six years ago, and I think maybe some of the courses have changed. And I think I think there is an effort in, especially within like international education, to acknowledge the local place that we're in and to do a bit more to mm. appreciate that. That being said, uh, I mean, there's like language is something that is constantly changing as well. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's fascinating. I read an interesting article by Ngugi Wathiongo, uh, an African writer, and uh, he was talking about how even uh, sort of the the very literate and African authors. Uh, view African literature as African literature and then the canon as literature mm. and how African literature is their literature but by labeling it African yeah. they're, they're putting it, it puts it be- in a different yeah below what is conceived of as yeah. canonical literature so it's also that like dismantling I suppose those kinds of ideological assumptions, yeah. assumptions in terms of power again yeah. this is good literature yeah. and you're you're trying your best to catch up to the canon or yeah. whatever yeah but I think we digress a little bit yeah but um, it's it's still interesting hopefully leaning in from a show the big bang theory mm. there's this there's this character called Sheldon Cooper oh yeah he has fantastic eyes um, so he subscribes to the many worlds theory, oh. right? and it just got me thinking. Like he said something about in one world, right? He's doing something, but in another world he might be doing something else. And it just got me thinking about like films that we've seen, like The Matrix, Inception. Like how many realities are there, mm. right? And does the progress in say quantum physics allow us to simulate and 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 sort of like speed up things and create things so that we we can see the different realities hmm. the levels of simulation in that reality hmm. just I, I i by no means know much about that but it just got me thinking by reading stuff like that just yeah like, whoa yeah and again small bits of knowledge very small very like specific bits of knowledge um just got me kind of like thinking about is that a possibility hmm. And yeah. then what? What would be the repercussions? Consequences of that. Yeah. Just kind of wrapping up. I was thinking the last kind of part of the question was this um, comparison between like so much and so little, mm. and, and that's where that like scale I think comes into play. Where like, how do you actually quantify that we have so much or so so little knowledge? Is it like? Mm. An amount? Is it like 
I think we've we've been kind of discussing it as if it was like a quantifiable thing, mm. like knowledge of how to boil water. It's just one small thing that then leads to so but many others. But actually, it's a really big piece of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have we been wrong all this time in thinking that is so little? It's a, so it had such an impact. Like, how would we? Why wouldn't we say that's like a huge, really fundamental? Well, you could quantify it by impact. I suppose, mm. if you had to get all measury mm. about it. Yeah, you're actually right. Because because it's such a... What's the word? Intangible? Intangible thing. There we go. One would struggle to, to really say what is big and what is little. Little knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so much also implies that we already have it. And that it's already like... Yeah, there's we gives us can gives us so much power. Like we already have this, that we've already done this, that we can mm. see it somehow. Um, but still, things keep you know keep yeah. evolving and keep yeah. innovating. It is, it is. It's very. But I mean, like even if you're looking at, like, let's say, knowledge in terms of evolution, mm. now not humans, the whatever. It's these tiny changes, right, that yeah. happen over time that mm. completely yes. that can completely change COVID. the life cycle. Oh well, yeah, COVID. I mean, I think actually that's a that's a really nice place to to sort of step back to, mm. and say, that's how we quantify it. Really, is by creating some kind of space, and what looks like over time very small things that that's how we can see that it gave us so much power. It added up to something bigger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cuz I think also we we're living in a in a time period now where people like instant gratification. Mm-hmm. They like the big gestures. They want to see the impact of the thing, but it's the small things, mm-hmm. right? Like if you think about a campaign for like anti-climate change, mm-hmm. if if every single person chooses not to take a plastic stroll, that's going to add up, right? right? But again, in terms of the the imposter syndrome thing sometimes i think people fall into that thing of like oh but what can i do i'm just one person yeah i think that's reflected with this in terms of the small shifts in knowledge yeah. too right like if if everyone does their little bit or contributes their little bit of knowledge what is the mm. impact on so it's nice if we think about the little individual like us as individuals as small persons and then that the knowledge that we might have as individuals adding up to something greater like Mm. us yes so it goes from like the me to us Mm. yeah i think it's a good place to stop yes i appreciate it you guys thank you for taking time out of your busy day and sitting and chatting with me all right we'll leave it there